Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's guest, AJ Harmer. AJ, how are you, mate? Doing well, thanks, Ian. Thanks for having me on. You are most welcome. Uh, I'm glad to have you. I think you said this is your first uh, podcast as well, was it? Very first podcast. So um, I'm, I'm at the mercy of the guru, Ian. So if you could uh, <laughs> love it, take me gently, uh, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Well, I said that to a recent guest. Um, I'll absolutely be gentle. Um, cool. Formalities out of the way, and as my listeners know, we get straight into it. So, tell us about that moment for you—that big moment of grief for you, where it all sort of came crashing down. We'll we'll start with that the moment, and then we'll sort of unpack how it got to that time. I think the moment was for me when I was lying in bed uh, one Saturday morning in two thousand and uh, two thousand and ten, um, and uh, feeling a very uh, helpless. And um, my stomach uh, on the bed beside me, and what I mean by that is uh, I'd become so overweight that my stomach was alongside me on the bed. I was obesely overweight, um, felt like I'd lost all direction in life and um, started to question, what's the point? Yeah, and I think, well, I think I know that, that that's a moment that many can relate with that feeling of like, what what's the point like surely there's more than this absolutely so in that moment was it then a uh well, what were the steps that you took if that's the kind of thinking you were you were having was a sort of a, a negative reaction then what did you what did you do how did you how did you actually react to that thought well i had to kind of uh, reflect on what had led up to that point that got me to there and and I'd realised that I'd been living a very unhealthy life and um, uh, not only with my, my physical movement and what, what I was eating but also just the way I was um, looking after my well-being um, and that had been a, over the course of about three years that had led from being a relatively fit guy to now a extremely uh, unhealthy and uh, what I would term f- fat man um, with no drive and no direction and a sense of loss in where to go next. Mm. So to fill in the blanks, you, you had accepted a role in Mount Druitt, Western suburbs of Sydney, which is a, a fairly um, low socioeconomic part of Sydney and fairly um, tough sort of part of the world. Yes. And you go in there with your young family to to serve those people. Tell us a little bit about like just how – 
immersed in the community you were because it was pretty full on, yeah? Yeah, well, when, uh, when we moved into the Mount Druid area or into the Western Suburbs area, we were living in Plumpton at the time, and um, I, I went for a drive and I, uh, I found myself in, in Bidwell, a suburb of Mount Druid, and um, approached. It was, a, it was a Saturday morning and everything was quite in the, in the car park, and I drove up to a uniting church building that I thought no one would be there because it was the weekend and tapped on the door and um, met the local worker there. And um, long story short is that there'd been a riot a couple of days before and all the community were coming together to kind of debrief on the, on the riot that had happened in Bidwell and she wow. invited me along. So I turned up as the, as the new guy and stuck my hand up at one point and said, hey, I've just arrived on the scene and I want to serve. Uh, what can I do? Uh, so straight into it. So it's like it's all happening and, and uh, like baptism of fire almost. Absolutely, and it was like it was it was perfect timing for in regards to serving the local community because they said the young people, the youth of of this community, don't have anything to do. Um, they're they're running amok, so to speak. And um, I said, well, I'm just here to serve, so um, let's start there. Yeah, cool. If we date, go back to that moment, right? You've you've gone into a space where the desire is to serve and to help other people. At that point, when you're lying there in the moment, in the bed in that moment, are you thinking, are you realizing that you've been spending all your time and energy <clears throat> on other people and not focusing on yourself? Or was that too soon to sort of think like that? I just knew that I ne that needed to be changed. I was in that crisis moment where I just wanted to run. So to be honest, and, and that's what, uh, and that's what I did. So it was essentially just, um, uh, trying to outsource what I'd begun and I'd begun a number of different services in the community over the three years. And I, I really didn't, uh, I had the presence of mind not to want to see those dissolve. So I looked for other, uh, community groups that could take that on and I passed them over and then I essentially, um, resigned from working, um, with with the salvos and uh, went on to do other things but um yeah it was just a case of just i just needed to get out there as quickly as i could because uh, i was looking at myself in the mirror and what i saw and what i was thinking and wasn't good yeah and so w were you coming down on yourself hard at that point like were you were you looking at the mistakes you'd made and or again too soon for that well, yeah, there was a sense of loss of like I'm going and I haven't. Um, yeah, I had a, like we were in the local paper and I was in the local paper saying that I wanted to be the guy that was around to not only speak to the um, the children that I was working with, but 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 their children and like generationally, I was quite prepared to stay there for for ten, twenty years just to try and be that um, that constant figure of support there for not only the the kids and the families but their families. Um, so there was a sense of loss in, in regards to um, I haven't really achieved what I wanted to achieve. But at the same time, I just felt my body saying that, um, yeah, I, I can't do this anymore. One of the real concerns and that led to that was um, that it was just uh, myself and a young family. And uh, we had one worker for a little while, but uh, really we didn't have team. And so there was also a sense of um, almost drowning in the, in the need 
and needing other people to come in alongside us and and be other human resources to help with the with the support and that never arrived so there was also a sense of um uh i guess detachment or i don't know what the other word is just the the the, the organization or the, the people that were that had sent us there hadn't realized how tough it was going to be and didn't really have a plan for sending other uh, humans to support us yeah so tell us a little bit about just how just how full on it was because you said you were like you were literally living within the community like next door to some of these people that needed your help and it was like you were on call literally 24 7 yeah and i have to say up front absolutely beautiful community beautiful hearts people that are in each other's lives and they don't lock themselves away and uh like like i have seen in other communities um get probably more affluent communities where everyone just um goes to work comes home and locks himself inside the kids are out in the streets it was it's like a bit of a uh, a flashback to the 1980s, 1970s, 1980s. Everyone's out there on summers and there's hoses going. And so just a real sense of a beautiful community, but a community that's really um, uh, hurting um, in so many different ways. So, uh, and it was the youth that I kind of plugged into. Um, I heard a saying once, it's, it's, it's easier to uh, build boys and girls than it is to repair men and women. So yeah. I thought... Uh, Best use of my time, seeing as I don't have a team, was to plug into the young people, children and the young people, and try and do some work there. So, And that's what I did. And it happened very quickly, Ian. It, it happened from a, one assembly at the at the local school, at the primary school. Um, there was a salvo camp happening. I offered to take a bunch of kids to the, to the camp, and uh, I, th- I think I had 12 seats in the bus, and about 30 kids put up their hand and wanted to go. <laughs> so... Uh, could only take the 12, but what emerged out of that was something quite spontaneous called the um, the Youth Network. And at that very first meeting at, at the church that I talked about on that Saturday, one of the people that were there was the local manager of the PCYC, and she gave me her card. So fast forward to this camp, and the kids are saying, um, so what are we going to do next? And I'm like, really didn't have a plan. <laughs> happening so quickly so I said well haven't you heard uh haven't you heard of the youth network so I'm just uh thinking on my feet youth <laughs> network and they're saying uh you know, where does that happen and I'm like um it happens at the PCYC uh, in Bidwell <laughs> so good. as soon as I leave the school uh telling them this information I'm on the uh on the phone to Karen was her name said hey <laughs> I need your hall and is there any chance you got a bus so, uh, and that next Friday night, the, the youth network beca- uh, began and uh, it went from like 30 kids to 50 kids to 90 kids to over 100 um, boys and girls on Friday nights. And it was essentially a, a, a beautiful time of um, fun and games, uh, like the old It's a Knockout type um, <laughs> TV show. It was just lots yeah. of fun. I made sure that there was meals there for them, that they could have a meal and um and I was quite purposeful in having uh, games and activities where they were socialising with one another. So there was board games and there wasn't screens. There was board games and Connect Four and craft tables and all this kind of stuff. And it was um, it just kind of emerged out of that. And as I built relationships with the kids, obviously you build relationships with the families. And that out of that comes uh, doing people's weddings, doing people's, uh, unfortunately, um, attending funerals and doing funerals, visiting mm-hmm. people that have been incarcerated, and so just from this one act of kind of we've got something on for the kids came all this other opportunity to serve in so many different ways. And 
and it kind of just uh, really quickly um, set the pressure settled of, in fact, what we would be required to do and what we'd, we would be joining in um, by living in that community. Um, just for context, you, you so you were an ordained minister in the yes. in the yes. church, yeah, yep. With so, knowledge, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it just goes to show that there is a massive need for that sort of work, and it's something that you know you you would know. There's, there's no naughty children. There's just children that are not having needs met, and you come yeah. in and produce something that there's just a hunger for. Yes. It, it's interesting. Just just this week, coincidence or not? Of course, probably not. Uh, the, the high performance podcast they had a they, they get listeners to to come on, and they there was a lady there who worked in a, a similar sort of space, providing exercise for youngsters in these uh, low socioeconomic communities. And what a difference it's making because they've got structure and then their exercise, yeah. and you know people are throwing a whole lot of other stuff at them that aren't really helping. But I imagine. The impact that what you created there must have just rippled through in terms of how that would have improved the lives for the children, but also for the parents and just that sense of community. It was it was extremely welcomed and and the community was very thankful for it. There was nothing like that. Like when I went to that debrief for that riot and everyone was there, the, the chief of police was there, there was nothing for the young people, just had nothing to do. So they were extremely bored. And um and it was it was just something that was it was almost a no-brainer. Like we just put something on. It's fun. Uh, we're available for them. It's somewhere they can go, so they're not um, cooped up at uh, home in the evenings on a Friday night. Um, and it also gave the parents a bit of respite um, from whatever was going on for them uh, with their children. So yeah, it was kind of a win-win for everybody. Yeah, nice. Um, no-brainer. But, but there's a fair bit of that you just thinking on your feet, like you said. That I, I always look for that thing that people do that they just think is obvious, but it's not obvious to everyone, right? So that your ability to to sort of join the dots there, particularly quickly, that that's a gift. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Ian. I really appreciate that. And and um, it's one of the uh, my fond memories of that community. I sometimes uh, I still over there from time to time, and I drive through the community and I remember the the barbecues and I remember the uh I've got a scar on my uh on my arm here on my uh on my elbow where I was playing some touch football on the road and and as I got heavier and as I got bigger I wasn't as <laughs> as light on my feet and I did trip and uh slide down one of the roads and I've got this big scar on my elbow now but it's a it's a memory it's a it's a place where I can look at and um I can remember my time there in fact some of my tattoos were actually done by the locals so uh, it's, it's interesting what you can, how you can share life with somebody while they're, they're tattooing your arm. You learn a lot about them and their background. And, um, yeah, I did some quite, quite un, unconventional things, but um, I definitely did build uh, a lot of respect in the community and trust. And um, it's a highlight of my, highlight of my, uh, of my time there was starting that youth network. Yeah. Awesome. Now you mentioned your weight there and, and there are certain elements of um, you mentioned exercise and, and diet, but what I know of when you are serving people and you are 
taking on too much, it will manifest in your body in some way. For some people, it manifests in pain. And for some people, it manifests in illness. And, and then, of course, it manifests in weight. It's like literally you're holding on to everyone's stuff. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how hard that was for you to be managing the well-being and emotions of just so many people at that time. Yeah, well, I think that um, being in the salvo is one of the things that you uh, that you kind of adhere to is the abstinence of, you know, the drugs and alcohol. And so, of course, if you're going to medicate because of the stress, what do you do? You go to the fridge. So um, for me, I think um, eating was my way of coping with uh, the stories that I was hearing and, and what I was seeing through the day. Um, and just slowly over time, I mean, your horrible habits uh, aren't always that obvious um, when you're stuck in them. But over time, it just crept into me and into my into my weight and my my well being and my health. And that was eventually just led to that moment where I was um, I was consumed by uh, by the stress of the role, and um, I was overtaken by my 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 body that was out of condition. Mm. And and you summed it up well there because it's often how these things happen. Whether again, whether it's weight or injury or illness, it's like it happens slowly that we might not notice in a day or a week or even a month. But then suddenly, at some point, we're like, "Wow, how did we get here?" Yeah. And it's either a moment where your body just says, "I'm not doing this anymore," and it shuts down, or or a moment of clarity like you described. So at that point, you're like, "Okay, I, I need to get out." Um, now, we, we won't go fully into this because uh, I respect your privacy in this space, but it, 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 from your perspective, it must have put tremendous pressure on you and, and your family in that space where you're having to deal with all of this. Yeah. So I'm an overweight guy at this stage and a sense of loss that I haven't gone through with my mission to stay there for decades and, and see the community, uh, um, you know, just journey with the community for, for that amount of time. Hmm. And also when, you, when you're with the Salvos, you kind of, they've got the furniture, they've got the house, they've got the car. So we left with nothing. Yeah, wow. Uh, so it was, it was starting again. Uh, fortunately for us, our, one of our neighbours, um, her name was Dawn, uh, her daughter, we built a great relationship with Dawn and her daughter had a granny flat in Emu Plains. So at least we had a place to go. Yeah, wow. So we uh, moved to Emu Plains in a, in a granny flat um, out the back. And that's where we started again. It's amazing what shows up when you need it, right? Particularly if you've been someone who's been giving. Yeah. Well, see, Dawn was our craft lady. If we go back to that first night at the youth uh, youth network where, that I started, um, yeah. when I moved into our street, I went knocking on the doors just to um, introduce myself. And Dawn was one of the ladies that uh, kind of opened the door slightly just to look through. And I said, "G'day, I'm uh, I'm AJ. I've just moved in local community. I'm just down the road there. Just wanted to say hi." And um, and and long story short, over you know, over a little while, she let me into her, her house, and she said, "Hey, I just want to I want to show you something." And she took me to her back room, and she just had the most beautiful craft setup that she was doing just on her own. Oh, and wow. I said, "I said, uh, Don, why do you do this?" And she'd suffered from depression, and she'd lost a partner, and her mum and dad had, had passed away. She had some trauma in her life and it was her way of just kind of her therapy on her own. I said, Dawn, this is too good to keep a secret. You've got to yeah. get this out and into the into the public. And she said, no way, I'm not doing that. 
Well, I just wound her down over, over time, knocking on that door, and she, <laughs> she became the craft lady um, and a very good friend of, of ours because we lived right next door. So That's awesome. When we needed her, when she needed us, because she'd say that um, pretty much that craft thing, she's, she's gone on record to say that being involved in that saved her life. Wow. Uh, and, and in return, she's, she's supported us in our time of need. So uh, mm. a, a beautiful kind of... Um, a completion to the circle of care. That's awesome. That tingles all over from that one. That's cool. Um, tell me, were there some moments, like you mentioned you were on call 24-7, were there some scary moments through that time where where people were knocking on your door or shit's going down that, that, that was pretty full on? It's interesting you say that. I never in the time that I was there felt unsafe uh, and I'd be walking the streets at all hours. I think because the rapport had been built and I was there to serve and people kind of understood and look at that took time. Hmm. Don't get me wrong. When you move into a new community uh, and people have moved in before and moved out, uh, there can be some suspicion around um, what you're doing. So it took hmm. me some time to kind of build that trust. But uh, no, I didn't feel unsafe. Like uh, one of the locals used to call me the mayor, the mayor of Bidwell, so, <laughs> <laughs> which was an interesting title. But I just, uh, I didn't feel unsafe at all. There, I can understand that most people would feel uh, maybe a little uh, wary of, of situations. But now I was there for the right reason. And I, I knew these uh, this community was, was beautiful at heart and are beautiful and um, never felt unsafe at all. Mm. I, I feel like you, you, the energy you bring into an environment is what you will have projected back to you. So if you yeah. went in there fearful of what might happen, well, then you're going to attract some confirmation bias, right? You'll attract what what you need to support what your beliefs are, but your, your belief, and I'd imagine a fair bit of that's come from your, your own upbringing, you said your parents were both ministers in the Salvation Army as well and, and that you were going from sort of house to house, community to community, having, so you've had a fair bit of experience in these sort of environments already and role modelling as well. 100%. Uh, mum and dad have just been the best example of what it is to care for people. And uh, mum had a book written about her a couple of years back called The Angel in the Courthouse. Uh, wow. And it was her uh, story of her upbringing, but also her ministry in the courts and prison work with dad. And there's actually a picture of me in that book. Uh, and I'm five years old and I'm sitting beside kids that are younger than me. And I'm reading them a story. These kids in the book that I was reading a story to had been removed from their, their families uh, due to neglect. And my parents were looking after them and, I was sitting beside them reading a, reading a book and kind of caring for them. So when you say I've done it for a little while, uh, you don't, I, don't, I sometimes forget that I've, I've participated in, in care and serving since I was that age. Uh, there's a picture of me. It wasn't until I opened the book and I saw that picture, I went, oh, my goodness, so I've, I've been participating in the care of, of people for, for a very long time. And I, all credit to my mum and dad for showing me what it is to, to love people, to care for people. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll get more into the work you do now. But to me, like nothing better demonstrates your ability to help people than the fact that you've been doing it your whole life. Yeah. Like it becomes so natural because it's just what you've had role modeled and you've done it. Um, I mentioned before you come on that I'll get different things in my body and I'll follow the nudges. And I can't leave this one alone because I've got this 
itch on my left leg, which is usually a reflection of like, is there something going on with your right sort of calf or lower leg or an injury or something that's not? Not. <laughs> we'll come back to that. Um, hang on, go back. Hang on, hang on. What, what, where did you say? So it's my left, my left front of my left shin sort of thing. Yeah. But which would be a mirror of your right, I imagine. So um, I have had down in my bottom calf, like the, uh, you know, towards the ankle, I have had a little bit of um, muscle strain there. Hmm. Yeah. But I do a hell of a lot of walking. So, uh, yeah. I, okay. Look, if, if it's okay, we'll go, we'll go into this a bit because like you said, like the work that you do, right. You, you bring other elements to weight loss. It's not just exercise and diet. It's like, it's the, the mental and the emotional side of it because when you can shift that, then the other two things become easier. So yes, that walking in the, and, and, Someone asked me this the other day when I was talking about some sort of uh, injury. That actually, it was a it was a client I referenced in one of my posts about how they turned up with a backache, and they go, "Oh yeah, well that's because I've been doing this, 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 and this." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, but that's just because we invite things into our world, similar to the confirmation bias, to support what's going on." So if we've got something going on with our back, we will do something that will exacerbate the injury. So um, the, the walking is the is what brings it to the surface rather than the cause. And right is usually around masculine. Right is usually, uh, and leg is usually around something about moving forward. So, as the uh, as the carer and someone that's probably spent a fair bit of time in the predominantly sort of that that nurturing feminine energy, not not female, feminine. Yep. Um, are there times where you can get, um, and again, I'll say this from my own experience, you can lack that ability to, to do the things that need to be done to actually get it done because the nurturing stuff just comes so much easier? Can you ask me that in a different way? Uh, so the experience for me is like the default is when things are getting a bit challenging, I'll just do some caring or nurturing i'll look after someone else to distract myself from the things i need to do for me yeah have you yeah. read <laughs> have you read my facebook post this morning <laughs> no <laughs> exactly what i wrote yeah right yeah i said uh <laughs> i said um in fact i got on the whiteboard there i i wish i could go and grab it uh i've done a little whiteboard thing essentially it's it's saying be the source of what you seek so if you're feeling unhappy then go and bring some joy and if you're feeling anxious, go and bring some calm to somebody else and uh, and kind of transcend your own moment by um, giving away some support to somebody else. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I guess the, the only other the only other thing, and we'll, we'll leave that alone, like I said, this is like a, a bit like a coaching session as well. It's just <laughs> uh, then thinking about um, what you already know, right? That balance is like getting that balance right. Um, and see how your uh, muscle soreness in that part of your leg goes. Yeah. Um, and for the listeners, it's just making sure that sometimes when your body's got something going on, it's not always just because you did X, Y, Z, you got an injury here. It's mm. even old injuries. They're all a reflection of something that's gone on that we bring about 
unconsciously. It's not a deliberate act. Um, so as, as a youngster growing up in that environment, it must have been so positive in so many different ways. But was there elements where you were looking out at the rest of the world and going, oh, would it be nice to have a bit more of this? It would be nice to have some more, yeah, I don't know. Like um, for me, I'd be like jumping from one place to the next, like friends, for example. Like does it kind of, was, was, that, was that a real challenge as a youngster? Yeah, it was a challenge to find friends and to fit into new schools and be the new guy in the class all the time. And um, But that's all I've known, Ian, so... I really don't know any other way. It's kind of when I look at other people and they tell me that they've been in the same house a whole life or worked in the same workplace their whole whole career. It's it's uh, it's, it's it's something my brain can't kind of can't comprehend. Like how could you stick in one place at, at, for that long? But um, I'm trying to bring the the positive to moving around. I've just had so many great opportunities to meet with people, and um, it's it's given me the ability just to kind of um, uh, just to kind of adapt really quickly to, to situations and to kind of uh, move very lightly, um, yeah, around and negotiating life. So, yeah. And you must have developed skills to, to be able to break the ice with new people and, and uh, almost be like a chameleon and fit in in new environments effortlessly. Yeah, yeah, I have been termed uh, the chameleon or the, or the lone wolf or whatever you want to want to call me. But um, yeah, it definitely gave me the skills just to uh, connect with people. And um, look, mum and dad always taught me, to, you know, be be interested and be interesting, and uh, you'll get you'll get through. So I've tried to I've tried to maintain that as a serving heart, but um, be very interested in people's lives and what they're doing, and um, also be interesting in some way. Uh, have them wanting to to know more about you so you can just kind of continue that relationship. Okay, cool. What's your go-to uh, interesting part that, that people are drawn to? I do I do actually some close-up magic, so people love that. So, yeah, uh, yeah I watched them. In fact, I watched – this is where I learned this skill as well. Uh, it was in, in Bidwell where for the, for the youth, I, at the Christmas time, we wanted a special guest, so I got a magician to come in. Yeah. And uh, – his name was Rod. He's he's, he's left uh, Earth now, and um, he came in. and I just watched the incredible rapport that he built with the kids so quickly through the art of of um, you know close up card magic. And uh, he became a long story short, he became a very good friend of mine. And um, a few years later, gave me an opportunity to be the close up magician on the Sydney Showboat myself. So I was on roster with him. Oh, so, how cool! Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty cool to. Uh, I was four nights a week on the Sydney showboat doing mm-hmm. close-up magic with the, with the guests from all around the world and bringing some joy and, and, um, and then pulling the curtains for the showgirls. So uh, that wasn't too bad either. Yeah, nice. Uh, so you must have had a knack for it. Is it something about like what, what's the art to it? Is it the being able to talk? Yeah, to I think it's connecting people? with people. Dad has yeah. always said I had natural ability to communicate with people. You're a great communicator, son, and... You're a, you're a class act and all these kind of beautiful compliments my dad would give me. So yeah, awesome. uh, I think just the ability to, once again, be interested and be interesting. Yeah. And on a context like a cruise uh, around the harbour with international guests, there's always something to ask. And there was always um, great stories from around the world. So, uh, And, of course, the interesting part I brought was I was doing some magic for them. So it's kind of a, a perfect match. 
Perfect. So how do you go from from that space where you feeling like you need to get out to then rebuilding your life? Like you, you've you've got a granny fat, but at that point you've got no job. So yeah. so what sort of steps did you take to get yourself back on track? Yeah, well, the only thing I'd really known up to that point was caring for people. So I, I looked for a job in the in the community service work and end up working for uh, another quite large non-for-profit. Um, and I worked with young people, so I looked for somewhere that I could work with young people in a community service work again and, and um, step out of the salvos and uh, moved in with a, another organisation that was in uh, Maryland. Yeah. And do you then, like, what, how long was the transition? Like, how much longer did you do that kind of work before you made a decision? Like, how did that decision come about where you're like, I need to do things differently? Uh, it was pretty much uh, immediately I needed to do stuff differently and I was forced to move my body a little bit more because this new job that I'd found in Maryland's, um, we only had the one car and and um, and I couldn't use that. So uh, I bought myself a push bike and yeah. <laughs> I was riding from Emu Plains to, to Emu Plains Station and then catching a train all the way to Maryland's and then riding from Maryland Station up to uh, the, the drop-in centre for the young people. And that was my... Um, that was my exercise uh, uh, for the day and the start of moving my body uh, more appropriately than what I'd done for the previous three years. So the the exercise kind of forced upon you by circumstance. How did you get around the the mental side of the fact that you'd walked away from a mission that you thought you'd be at for a long time? Yeah. We need to back up the track a little bit and just to remind, you, uh, remind our listeners that uh, or let them know that I wasn't always a big guy. I in two thousand and one, I actually won the Men's Health Fitness Challenge for the, the Men's Health Magazine um, Body Trend. I'd, I'd been uh, overweight before, and um, I entered that competition with thirteen hundred other competitors, and uh, to transform my body, and end up winning the competition. And um, uh, there's more to that story too, and the and the birth of my firstborn. Uh, that. Essentially, the winnings from that competition paid for IVF, and then he oh, was born. Wow. So, it's another another great story of uh, um, when I look at him, he's uh, he's really my trophy for for that effort. So, wow. uh, that's awesome. Uh, so, I know how to move. I know how to train my body. It's just that in that period of time, from two thousand and seven to two thousand and ten, I lost my way because my focus was on others, and uh, and I really wasn't balanced at all with my with my life. Mm-hmm. So getting back from getting back into into gear was like it was yeah muscle memory like I knew what to do, and now I wasn't in a position where I had to give my time and my energy away to everybody else. Now I could go okay, what do I need to do um, to get this to get myself back on track? So I, I I got to work. Yeah, good on you. Yeah. So it's, it's like the 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 weight thing and the the health thing's been a bit of a like a, an ongoing. Um, challenge uh obviously no longer given the the nature of the work that you do and the the disciplines and the processes you've put in place what's interesting is that like i got the itch in both calves when you started telling that story about the um around the um the competition yeah so actually could have been like if given it's an itch not a pain maybe it's actually quite a positive thing of like that you actually thrive in that sort of competitive environment and um 
being able to yeah demonstrate your your abilities yeah i've people have mentioned to me that you know my ability to acquire skills quickly is is inspiring yeah cool um, I, I was a drummer in a rock band. I learned the drums and then, then they didn't have a, sorry, I was a guitar player uh, first in the band and they couldn't find a drummer. So I was sold the guitar and learned the drums. So then I was <laughs> the drummer and then um, I'm learning how to transfer my body and then become a personal trainer. And then, uh, you know, I, I want to do magic. So I'm learning how to do, do magic and working on Sydney on the Sydney showboat. So a lot, lot of skills, a lot of skill acquisition um, and the ability just to, I really want to just be able to um, support people and give them, some hope that they can do that too, whatever it is that, that's in front of them that they want to acquire, that they have, uh, they can do that. Mm. So you're inspiring, inspiring them by your own actions to be able to take things on and, and then uh, giving them the tools they need to do the same. I, I would hope so. You, you know, I've heard it said you have to be the book before you write the book. And so I don't want to be, uh, um, I don't want to be uh, preaching something that I'm not living myself. So, um, yeah, here I am, and and hopefully it's uh, it's impacting people's lives. So, how did you go from working um, back in in the caring sort of space to to magic to deciding you want to be a PT? Uh, I just think that working and and particularly working with with uh, with men. So, I just uh, if I reflect back to the way I was feeling in two thousand and seven um, as a guy and how helpless I felt and how uh, adrift from, um, from purpose, um, I thought there, there must be some, you know, I'm not the only one that's going through that, uh, especially as a fella. Um, yeah, yeah. Re- recently had a word uh, in um, that uh, a friend that I'd known for a long time that, that had moved to uh, a country town, taken his life just after, uh, after Boxing Day. Heartbreaking. So, uh, heartbreaking. Um, news and just confirmed to me that I'm I'm working with the right group of people that uh, I'm a I'm a guy I'm a middle-aged guy I just turned 50 a couple of weeks back and um, I know fitness I know health and fitness I know how to have a strong mind I know the disciplines required to push through and acquire new skills so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bloke that that knows a few things that's, that's seen a few things in, in my 50 years and just want to reach out to other guys and support them where I can and and fitness is um you know you change your body and you, you change your physiology you can change your whole concept of 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 your reality so um, why not start there with with men and help them uh um with their with their weight with their fitness and um yeah move forward that way together love that and from that story that you mentioned around dawn like you have that ability to save lives like literally, and you know, for me, that that while there's so many other elements to it, you need to be looking after all the different elements. And and for for a fair while, I haven't had to put a lot of work into my weight, so I wasn't. So it was impacting all areas of my life because I wasn't throwing myself into fitness. But the moment yeah. you prioritize that, what's well, developing muscles, whether it's weights or running or football or whatever it is, the moment you have you put yourself in a place where you have to actually – you have to exert yourself. Yeah. 
you have to have that discipline to go, this is hard, but I'm going to keep going anyway. Yeah. Then that changes everything. So for you in that space of you're helping people to lose weight, but what are some of the impacts that, that you've had from clients that, that have been well beyond just them losing weight and feeling uh, better in their body? Yeah, well, look, <laughs> the benefits that are coming is the way that they're feeling about themselves and that's impacting other areas of life. So um, people are, that were stuck in, in, in jobs that they, they didn't really, uh, that wasn't their passion areas are now uh, stretching themselves to look for, for new work and stretching some, some, themselves into new careers um it's just it's i i go with weight loss and i try and work with their bodies but i'll tell you what's happening is their minds are expanding and as their minds are expanding of what's what's possible as they see like if this is possible for my body what else can i do and uh they're just going into areas um had a guy that wants to to do stand-up so and he's been fearful of doing um stand-up comedy and um and just the way that i've worked with him and the change in his uh his body and his i guess self-belief and now he's, he's reaching out and and making some um some connections with stand-up so it's not only the health and, and the fitness and the way you look it's it's the your aspirations and dreams that transform as well and and uh to, to be honest that's that's really what i'm after uh that long lasting that long lasting um change in um self-belief and that long lasting change in how that then can spill over onto other people that are that are are watching you transform so yeah fantastic and uh it, it makes me think back to what you talked about you'd lost that sense of purpose and when you bring that back through your own physical journey, like you've been helping yeah. other people, then it, it, it's not just about the physical. Yeah. It's like you've, you've, you've helped him to reach something that he really wants to do. And to me, like, well, what a gift that you're giving people through that work that you're doing. Well, look, if I set them a, a simple exercise task or, a, or a, a discipline that they need to complete, the fact that they're completing it and then saying I completed it is like they're making a promise to themselves and they're keeping their promise and then all of a sudden their esteem and their self-belief because I've, I've done something that I said I would. There's so many people that say I'll do this and I'll do that and they never do it or they never get around to doing it or there's something that gets in the way. And what that says to them is that, you know, I can't follow through on my own actions and uh, and then they're – their self-belief just uh, plummets. So it's the simple tasking that I give my clients and that just sets them on this trajectory forward. So good. So I imagine that over the course of the your own transformation that you've learned some pretty powerful messages. So so what's something that you've you've learned beyond what you like the incredible upbringing you had? What's something you learned about yourself and maybe some process or tool or something else yeah. that you've adopted that's been a real game changer for you yeah i need structure it needs to be i need systems in my day to make sure that i'm going to bed at the end of the night and i'm i'm i'm, I'm ticking it off as a win for the day and so i've got this uh this model or this concept i call the diamond day and it's a bit of a play on uh, you're the first one i've actually spoken to about this thing and so uh, it's a diamond cool. day it's a bit of a play on words it's uh, the diamond as in a gem or something of value, if we can hold that picture in our mind. But then we've also got the, the image of the baseball diamond and there's there's four bases around. And so if we want to hit the ball out of the park, we want to get a home run for the day, we have to make our way around the bases. And the bases are your um, your body, mind, soul, and your spirit. Or, and uh, 
just assigning tasks to those different bases. So at the end of the night, I can say, okay, what have I done for my body? I've moved my body. I've gone for a walk. I've eaten well, got some sunshine. What have I done for my mind? I've read uh, a couple of pages of, bo- of a book or I've listened to a podcast or what have I done for my, my soul? I've, you know, I've spent some time in meditation and I've just quietened myself down. I've listened to my breath. And what have I done for my spirit? I've kind of connected. I've connected with other people. I've reached out and I've, I've supported someone. I've made a phone call or sent a text message that's just um, not about me receiving, but me of giving. And so if I can uh, get to bed at the end of the night and go, okay, did I hit the ball out of the park today? Have I made my way around the bases? Have I had a diamond day? Uh, then uh, I can sleep well at night. So that's a little um, – in my gym, I've actually got a picture of a, of a – it's just a, a diamond. And um, and I've got another – I'm looking at it now, and it just, uh, there's another um, black and white picture that says home run. So it just reminds me that just to make my way around the base, as long as I'm just there's, on those touch points, if I'm just doing one, one activity on those four bases around the day, I can go to bed. No matter what else is crowding in on me, I can go to bed knowing that I've – I've invested in my own wellness and I've, uh, I've had a good day. Yeah. So good. I'm actually going to have a crack at that. That sounds magic. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I'm also a creature of needing structure and, and similar to you, I've built so many different structures around my world yeah. because without it, I just can go on tangents and distractions and procrastination oh, yeah. and all sorts. So yeah. the more tools you can have to bring you, you back into uh, getting it done, it's just yeah. so powerful. And I'm a very visual guy, so I've got to have the, the I've got to have the quotes up on the wall. I've got to have the pictures. Uh, I've got to have the rock kind of pointing at me, saying, you know, that success is all about, you know, uh, you know, consistency and all this kind of stuff. So, uh, I've got a little home gym. I'm pointing to it over there. It's a little home gym that makes it easier for me too. That I can't avoid it. It's uh, it's obvious. So it needs to be. It needs to get done. So that's cool. Um, early on, you mentioned that the the impact that that having that um, the youth network set up, the impact it had, and the, how that actually built trust with the kids, but also built trust with the parents, and then you're suddenly building this incredible community. That ripple effect. What's the ripple effect in a positive way that taking someone through the weight loss journey has on the person, on their family, and their community? Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 incredible. Just the feedback that I'm getting from the clients, that uh, of the comments that they're getting from their family, that uh, dad's moving more and and the partner is drinking more water and taking more care of themselves. So it just elevates the whole family unit. To be honest, just by this uh, one person engaging in some self care and and a plan to move forward. So uh, I've had comments of, of colleagues of clients. Um, making mention that they've got more energy and they're more, you know, that their their um, productivity around the day has increased as well. So it just impacts so many different areas. Mm, and it comes back to to what I know to be true is that when we want to create a shift in the people around us, we we can't control them into doing it, but yeah. we can come back into self control. Okay, what can I do differently to be better? What can yes. I do to inspire? Which yeah. is what you're describing, right? That these yeah. these men you're working with are inspiring that change in other people because there's no, so much more of what we do has an impact than what we say. In fact, if we're not walking the walk, the the talks just words that just float on by and have zero meaning. 
100%. And let me just share a little poem with you that my dad taught me. That's, is that okay if I 100%. share a, share a poem? It was, it's called The Human Touch, and it goes simply like this. hope I can remember it. Uh, it's the human touch in the world that counts, the touch of your hand and mine, that means far more to the suffering soul than shelter, food, or wine. Because the shelter's gone when the night is over, and food lasts but for one day. But the touch of the hand and the sound of the voice lives on in the heart always. So, um, you know, it's 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 uh, people are watching, and you can create a, a huge impact by just what you do. Love it, and that's what a great demonstration of exactly what we've been saying. Is it yeah. something that your dad left you? Yes, has just had such a positive impact that that it's etched in your memory. Yeah. It's uh I love poetry. I love the the imagery of of reaching out and helping people and and um making an impact on look, it's the only thing we can really leave the way I, I feel about it in my life, it's the it's it's a it's the legacy. It's the only thing I it's the currency I can leave behind, you know what I mean? Like how I affect others. One of the things that I did get tattooed on my arm uh in uh you can't see it here, it's a it's it's not it's not a very good looking tattoo, but it's, it's simply the letters O T H E R S, which says others. So it's a, a constant reminder on my arm here that uh, that's where my emphasis should be. Um, obviously, self care, but this this opportunity I've got to just impact lives, impact uh, others with kindness and with care, with concern, and just helping them. Um, Look, we're all on the way home, hey? We're just leading each other home. Yeah. So if I can do that through health and fitness and through my own journey of transformation, then uh, that's a life well lived. I love that. And if people are overcomplicating their path and looking for meaning, what you described there could be the simplest way that you could ever put it. So yeah. well said. Now, I'm just going to join a few dots here. You can think on your feet and come up with ideas on the run. You watch someone do something and you pick up the skills really quickly, like like mimicking. You've talked about the creative element. Um, to me, it's like you're a big picture thinker. So you must have ideas constantly. You must have a lot of cool visions for what the future looks like. I'd love for you to share maybe one of those ideas that hasn't come to fruition yet, but you, you've you've thought, okay, that that's going to be cool. I'm definitely putting that for something that I want to to help, not just for me in the future, but will have a uh, an impact for the greater good. Yeah, I I do have a vision board in my gym, and there's uh, a couple of images on there that uh, will come to be because I feel like it's my my purpose and and my calling, and that is to to speak to uh, groups of people. Um, on their potential, on their worth. Um, you know, when I'm speaking with my clients, I might be speaking to them about health and fitness, but I tell you the message that's coming through loud and clear is a lot of them don't feel like they're enough. And that's leading to, to habits that don't serve them. Uh, so, and I'm getting tingles now uh, just saying that because the ability to look down because I do my coaching not only uh, in person but online to look down the camera at them and just to remind them that they are enough is uh, is a beautiful gift to be able to share with another guy um, and um, you know in a world that that well it's a changing world but in a in a space where uh, sharing that kind of a message with another man 
can be seen in different ways. Uh, to be able to just look at a guy and say, you know what, despite what's happened, and uh, you are an overcomer, you are enough, and you will win. And I'm I'm going to join with you, and I'm going to and do what I can to make sure that you prosper. That's one of uh, one of my dreams, just to be able to do that in uh, in a capacity like a increasing capacity, whether it be on a stage or over a camera or through a book. So I've got a picture of a stage with a group of people. I'd love to be speaking life into groups of men. Uh, I'd love to write a book and, um, yeah, just impacting where I can. We should have a talk after this because uh, I just had this idea around um, exactly that, creating a platform for uh, men speaking to men. So uh, thank you. You've inspired me. No worries. Given you've grown up in that uh, Christian, uh, if that's a good description, upbringing, and, uh, and you've gone into that line of work, are you still practicing from a religious standpoint? Is it more spiritual? Is it a bit of both? Like, how, how do you see the word from world from that spiritual perspective now? Well, my upbringing was in the in the Christian faith, so I would say that uh, you know words like church, Christian, etc., uh, have become a little bit. Um, become a bit of a dirty word in, in, in communities and in culture. So I'm more likely to say that I follow Christian principles where I can. Um, being someone that's not perfect and, and I've made plenty of mistakes uh, and I make mistakes every day and I'm going to be making them tomorrow. But um, I try to look at the, at the at Christian principles and there was no Christianity before uh, Jesus. So I, I, I guess I look to, to that uh that historical figure as, as a guide for um, how to care for people. And you see him walking around and just, just uh, not segregating people and not labeling people, but just re- looking for opportunities to serve. And um, one of the things they used to say I was, I would do at Bidwell was I was loitering with intent. Someone says, what does that AJ do? He loiters with intent. <laughs> well, I love that description because what it said to me is I'm just looking for opportunities to serve. I'm just oh, I've got I've, I've got a keen eye and uh, an open heart just to try and meet need where I find it, whether it be in the streets or in someone's home. So, yeah, to get back to your your question, um, my motive is like my you need a uh, you need a why for the what that you do in life. And over on my whiteboard there, my why is uh, the passage that's in John ten ten, and it says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come to give you life in all its fullness. So. Um, for a lot of the uh, people that I work with, uh, what's been destroyed in their life is their uh, their sense of well-being, their self-belief, their physical um, their physical shell has been uh, uh, hasn't been looked after, and that's preventing them from that next part, which is a prosperous life or a life in all its fullness or a life of abundance. So that really is my my go-to passage of um, of the Bible that I'll go to just to motivate me forward to help people. I love that. And, and 
for those who don't, don't consider themselves religious or, or they've had a maybe a negative religious experience and they've gone away from it, if you come back to just the story of Jesus, like he, he didn't actually have a lot of time for the church uh, at times as well, right? He, he was more about, well, how can we help serve people best and yeah. and not putting one person above anyone, even even a well, well, minister for whatever terminology they used to use back then, a priest or whatever it is, but instead yeah. like how can we look after others? But I'm sure that given the work that he did, he would have put a fair bit of time and energy into his own well-being because how could he have possibly been able to serve that way if he didn't? Absolutely. There was times there where he's withdrawing and he's retreating and he's just kind of filling his own cup. So um, we've got to do the same. But uh, but what a great opportunity. I've, I feel like I'm, at, I'm, I'm 50 years old and I've, geez, I've got so much to do. I, I feel so passionate about um, what there is to do. And, and, you know, there's people watching, you know, like we, we create a legacy to my, my boys who are uh, 19 and uh, 17 and 19 now they're watching dad and they're watching his emphasis and they always have but they're watching at this time in my life when i i could possibly be thinking about slowing down or retirements could be up ahead but uh, i'm charging i've got things to do i've got people to reach and a message to to share and um i ain't done yet good man and i'm definitely going to cut this one up to a highlight because how many people get to a later age and go, oh, I've missed the boat, it's too late. It's like, no, it's it's never too late. And it's not, like I'm the same. People people work their lives to get to retirement. Well, yeah. what if you die not long after you retire, which is a familiar tale, right? That So my dad was, was only, uh, you know, less than 10 years into his retirement and he passes away. It's like, yeah, right. live now. Like, yeah. like. And and I've said to the kids, oh, I'm not retiring. Like I love what I do. I'll keep yeah. doing this in some capacity forever because of, of what it gives me as well. Yeah. And the thing and is, the- when you're in a in a, a service role or a caring role, and your motive is to kind of serve people, when, when could you? When there's actually no retirement date because everywhere you look, there's somebody with a need. Uh, so if you've got a heart to serve and you've got a, a keen eye to observe people that may need your support, then and you love what you're doing. Like the best, uh, the best definition of a, of of a of of a vocation that just sits like a like a well balanced vocation was the one I uh, heard. That was you're fully self expressed in the service of others and rewarded for your contribution. So that's kind of three points there. You're fully self expressed in the service of others and rewarded for your contribution. So why would you want to retire if you had an opportunity to do that uh, for people? Like. Um, Let's keep going. Like I'm already looking at a Winnebago. I can go uh, <laughs> jump in the Winnebago and and go traveling and supporting and serving people at the same time. You know, um, invest in my own well-being, but at the same time have a have an eye for others. Yeah, I love that. And uh, to me, that's what that's all the positive elements of of the work that we do. Like. What are people chasing? Well, that sort of freedom to be able to live and work where you want. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Not for everyone, but for those who are that way inclined, it sounds magic to me. And it's definitely yeah. uh, 
not about the Winnebago, but something very similar, <laughs> uh, having that freedom to, um, <laughs> to I think there. that's my gypsy childhood with my parents <laughs> moving around everywhere. I just, uh, I see, I see a home on wheels and I go, perfect. <laughs> that's, that's everything I, over I, the concept's great. I just like there's something about them um, driving a big vehicle and uh, and um, not having the flexibility just to zip off somewhere. That maybe um, maybe I just need to get an electric bike to go with it. But uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so AJ, what does the the future hold as you see it? As you continue to inspire more men to to not just transform their their physical well-being but that that diamond diamond day transformation what what impacts that going to have as you see it from you uh, impact on others or impact on my own life your life the lives of the people you serve their communities the world yeah and i got a message to share and it's going to get out there and um, i'm committed to just um, chipping away and, um, uh, you know, keep hitting that pinata until the lollies come out. So, um, yeah, uh, if anyone's listening and they've got an opportunity for me to, to share with, uh, with, with a bunch of guys or um, come to a, a retreat or just be a speaker or just inspire or do a workshop or anything like that, I would love the opportunity just to impact more and more people every day. Good man. And uh, AJ, where can people find you? Uh, they can go to my Instagram at aj.harmer and uh, Facebook is the same. So aj.harmer, they can find me there and just send me a message and I'll, I'll get in, t- in contact with you. Yeah. Good man. Uh, thank you for trusting me for your first podcast. I've loved it. Uh, so many inspiring messages and, yeah, love what you're doing in the world, mate. Really inspiring. Thanks, Ian. appreciate the opportunity. And um, thank you for what you're doing and giving me an opportunity just to um, you know, voice my, my, my care and concern and my passion for others today. Thank you. You're so welcome, mate. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com you can also stay connected with me by joining the grief code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code and remember so that i can help even more people to heal please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform